Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Epic Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Meekham, and I'm really excited for today because we're going to talk about a topic we've never talked about on the Epic Podcast, and that's diabetes. It's one of the things we work with in the Epic program, but we don't hear a lot about it. But November is National Diabetes Month and World Diabetes Day, and so I thought it'd be a great time to visit that topic. And I have joining me today, Natalie and Mikhail and Brittany, all from the Epic program, And maybe we can just have each one of you tell us what your title is with Epic. Let's start with you, Mikkel. Hey, thanks, Dave. And thanks for having us on today. I manage the community clinical linkages portion of the Epic program, which focuses on diabetes, prediabetes, and community health workers. And we really just focus on making sure people are connected not only to the clinic, but also out into the community and have the resources they need available to assist in their lives. Cool. And Brittany, what do you do with the EPIC program? So I am the Diabetes Health Program Specialist. And so I focus on all efforts across the state related to diabetes management in the community, in clinics, in hospitals, among individuals with diabetes, as well as what's called the Diabetes Self-Management Education Program, which we will talk about shortly. Natalie, what do you do with EPIC? Hi, Dave. I'm Natalie, as you mentioned. Um, I work on our diabetes prevention and prediabetes activities and initiatives, and one of those includes the National Diabetes Prevention Program, which, as Brittany mentioned, we will be talking about later. So we have quite a few great programs that help those with diabetes diagnosis, but also those who are working to prevent uh, diabetes diagnosis as well and type 2 diabetes diagnosis. So, Great. Mikkel, let's start with you. We have a lot of health-related things going on in our lives around, mostly focusing around COVID. And so we don't always hear a lot about diabetes. Why is it so important? I think it is so important that we have this talk around diabetes, and not just this month with it being World Diabetes Month, but always keeping in the forefront of our minds the millions of people that have diabetes and prediabetes. And I think the biggest thing that we can stress amongst ourselves and at the Department of Health is that we are here to support people living with diabetes. There is options, there is ways to help and things that can really help to improve your lives so you can live that healthy life even with the diabetes diagnosis. We also want to go into some of the stigmas around diabetes and what what the belief is and then what the truth is and just really get some of those stigmas in the forefront and addressed. We also just want to talk about some options that are available that we have through the Department of Health. If you do have diabetes and you are on insulin, and maybe if you're having a hard time affording your insulin, we do understand that it is a big burden on a lot of families, those insured and those uninsured. It is a huge cost. And so we do have some savings programs and other ways that we can help address those issues among individuals and families also. Right, this is a big deal. There are a lot of Utahns that have diabetes. And if I understand right, there's a lot that have diabetes or prediabetes that don't even know it. And I guess this is a good point to kind of differentiate what is the difference, and maybe this is a good question for you, Natalie, what's the difference between diabetes and prediabetes? Yeah, Dave, so diabetes is someone who actually has a diagnosis and the blood sugar level to go along with diabetes. Prediabetes is when someone has elevated blood glucose levels, but not at that level to be diagnosed as diabetes. So I don't know if Brittany wants to add more into that. I feel like she's more of our expert when it comes to diabetes. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've got people that have the full-blown disease and then people that are on 
for lack of a better word, the precipice. They, they're on the verge. Is there anything that can be done about that? The people who have prediabetes, can that be reversed? Can it be halted, their progress towards the disease? Yeah, and I definitely want to make it clear with prediabetes, someone is at an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. It's not all types of diabetes that they're at risk of. It's specifically type 2. So there's definitely something that can be done. We have something in Utah, and it's actually nationwide, called the National Diabetes Prevention Program. And that focuses on helping participants who enroll in that program, modifying their lifestyle in order to prevent type 2 diabetes. Right now in Utah, we have 21 organizations that offer that program. It's facilitated by trained lifestyle coaches who attend a two-day training to learn everything that they need to know about the curriculum in order to facilitate to those participants who are at an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. So yes, there's definitely something that could be done, and we have a program here within Utah that can help those people either reverse the diagnosis of prediabetes or hopefully prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes as well. So the important thing here is to be aware of your health. You can't do anything about it if you don't know you have it. Yeah, that's a good point. And it actually reminds me of something. So right now we currently have about nine and a half, just less than 10% of our Utah adult population who have been told by their provider that they have prediabetes. What's interesting about that, that's a figure from 2018. Between 2012 and 2015, that was only at 5%. And so what we're learning right now is that providers are actually talking to their patients about prediabetes and that it's not that we have more prediabetes diagnosis in Utah. It's that they're actually having this conversation with their provider and working towards prevention. Um, another part that's interesting about prediabetes is most people who have it don't even know that it's about 80 to 90% who have a prediabetes diagnosis don't know that they have prediabetes. And one thing that the CDC has really pushed is that one in three Americans have prediabetes. So when we actually look at that figure, that's a lot more than nine and a half percent. That's closer to a third of our Utah adult population, which is about 750,000 Utah adults who actually have a prediabetes diagnosis. And so we're missing about 500,000 Utah adults who don't even know that they have prediabetes right now. So it makes that annual checkup visit to your doctor a lot more important, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. And definitely having a relationship with your provider so you can become aware of this diagnosis. Brittany, Natalie just mentioned type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Can you help us understand the difference between type 1 and type 2? Yeah, absolutely. There is actually a big difference. Type 1 is also known as juvenile diabetes, and the reason for that is because your risk for type 1 diabetes is primarily related to just genetics, to be quite honest. And then the second reason that it's called juvenile diabetes is because generally people who are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes are diagnosed when they are younger. So generally it's in that, um, you know, their children, early teenage, early adulthood is when that diagnosis comes along. And the difference is with type 1 diabetes, So I guess I should probably back up a little bit and describe diabetes in basic terms just so we have that understanding. And so like Natalie mentioned, diabetes is a disease that happens when we have elevated blood glucose. So what happens is we have an organ called the pancreas and the pancreas is what helps us to produce a hormone called insulin. And insulin is what helps us when we eat food particularly carbohydrates, those carbohydrates get broken down by our body into what is called glucose. And so that glucose that's getting broken down in our bloodstream, it's floating around in our bloodstream. And the job of insulin 
is to attach to specific cell receptors. And I know this is getting probably way deep into a physiology lesson here, but just to have the understanding where the pancreas secretes that insulin and then the insulin ultimately helps our cells take and remove glucose out of the blood. So in type one diabetes, the pancreas is actually not creating insulin at all. So the people who are living with type one diabetes, they need to take insulin. So whether that's through an insulin pump or self-administering injections of insulin, that is something that has to be done. So in type two diabetes, it can be different where the individual's pancreas is still creating and it's still secreting insulin into the bloodstream. However, what happens is called insulin resistance. So it's where the body is not able to utilize that insulin properly. And so therefore we still get that elevated blood glucose in the bloodstream. So in both situations, you're getting the blood glucose, high levels of glucose in the bloodstream over long periods of time, which is not a good thing that can lead to a lot of, of really negative complications. But the difference is type one, there's no insulin being produced and type two, you're still producing some level of insulin. Your body just can't use it accurately. So it's a similar condition, but with two very different causes. Correct. Two very different causes, but they have a lot of the same impact and a lot of the same complications and a lot of the same management techniques in both situations. And I do just want to point out, I know a lot of the times when we're talking about diabetes and we focus on the numbers and the complications and how it impacts your body and things not working, it can seem really just like a drag. It can seem really negative. It's all doom and gloom if you get a diabetes diagnosis. But what I always like to point out is that just because you have a diabetes diagnosis, whether that's type one, type two, or gestational diabetes, like you still are fully able to live a very healthy, very successful life. I have a personal connection to diabetes. My mom has type one diabetes and she's been living with it for 43, over 43 years now. So she was diagnosed when she was 13. And when she was diagnosed, they told her that she would never have kids. She would never be able to live a normal lifestyle. And she's done all of those things. So it's just really important for us to remember that just because we have that diabetes diagnosis doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Right. Um, and that is important. And you also just mentioned one other thing. Every time you guys get a little deeper into this, we learn something new. So gestational diabetes, maybe you want to explain to us what that is briefly. Sure. Um, so it's, it's, relatively similar to type 2 diabetes in the sense where typically the people who are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, they are still producing insulin. They just develop that insulin resistance. The reason that it's different from type 2 diabetes is because gestational means that it's happening during pregnancy. So gestational diabetes is women who are pregnant who develop insulin resistance during pregnancy. Okay. And you mentioned management, and I know that's one thing that you work with in the EPIC program and how important the self-management of diabetes is. Can you get into that a little bit for us and tell us the kind of work you're doing there and what the uh, Utah Department of Health and the EPIC program has to contribute? Sure thing. So like I mentioned before, just because you have a diabetes diagnosis does not mean that you can't live a perfectly healthy, successful long lasting life and doing all of the things that you enjoy 
it just means there may be additional steps and extra things that you have to do in order to make that happen. So we have what's called the Diabetes Self-Management Education Program. We have almost 50 programs across the state of Utah. They are located in pharmacies, in hospitals, in family care clinics, specialty clinics. So they are very accessible to individuals living with diabetes. And what the program is, is we have what's called Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but what that essentially means is there is a person out there, typically it's a registered nurse, a registered dietitian, pharmacist, or like a mid-level provider, like a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, and they are specifically trained and educated in diabetes education and working one-on-one or in groups with individuals with diabetes to help them not only learn more about the disease and about the physiological effects and the complications and all of the education that goes into it, but they're also there to help empower people with diabetes, to give them the tools and the skills and the resources that they need in order to feel comfortable and feel competent in being able to practice those self-management skills at home. And when I'm saying self-management skills, I'm meaning nutrition decisions and physical activity decisions, and also understanding how to check their blood glucose at home, how to take medications properly, things like that. So feeling like when I, as a person with diabetes, when I go home, I feel confident in my ability to manage my diabetes. So DSME, the nice thing about the Diabetes Self-Management Education Program is that it is actually a covered service through all insurances in Utah. So a lot of the times you're generally paying a very small copay, if that in some cases, to be able to meet one-on-one or in a group with a um, diabetes care and educational specialist. So you're getting that one-on-one support for very minimal cost. Okay, so this sounds like a great program. If I'm somebody who needs help either for myself or a loved one, how do I go about taking advantage of this? So kind of like what Natalie said, there is great value in having that relationship with your provider and having the conversation with them. They will be able to connect you to these types of resources and also provide you with additional support. So the tricky part about DSME is that it does require a physician's referral just because it is a billable service through insurance. And so I would say making that connection with your provider and talking with them, but we also do have more information on the livingwell.utah.gov website. If you click on the diabetes tab, that will provide you with a list. You could always take a look at which program is closest to you and it has contact information that you could get in touch with that particular diabetes educator. That sounds great. And we'll try to put that link in the show notes for people who hear that and you want to follow up. Our time is running short, but I do want to come back to Mikhail real quickly. You mentioned a couple things that I thought were pretty interesting. You mentioned that there's stigmas, things that people don't understand about diabetes and that that can be a problem. So my understanding is if I eat a lot of sugar, I'm going to get diabetes, right? That is what a lot of people believe. Um, I guess some of the stigmas that pop into my mind is that if you eat sugar, drink soda, et cetera, you'll get diabetes. If you're overweight, only overweight people get diabetes. People that maybe have type 2 diabetes, it said that maybe 
they got it because they're lazy or undisciplined. But I think it's important to notice that the best ways to overcome these social stigmas about diabetes is through education and awareness. And that is why we were here today is just to let you all know that there is support for people living with diabetes. There is ways to educate yourself, not only yourself, but your friends, your neighbors, your family. So people do understand and are aware of the true beliefs of diabetes and the true impacts that diabetes can have on your life. Yes, eating sugar is not the reason you got diabetes. <laughs> the important thing is to know fact versus fiction, right? Exactly, yes. All right. One other thing I wanted you to talk about, and you kind of mentioned this briefly as well, and this has been in the news a lot over the past few years, is the cost of insulin. It's just been going crazy, and I've seen this in my family. But there is some help out there, isn't there? There is. Legislation in Utah last year, so this past January, passed a law that focuses on the cost of insulin. This new program called the Utah Insulin Savings Program went into effect this past July. So if you go to utahinsulin.net, you can learn about this savings program. It is offered through the Public Employee Health Program, but you do not have to be involved in PHP. PHP does not need to be your insurance provider. It is for anyone living in Utah that has that diabetes diagnosis, diagnosis that needs insulin. So you just fill out a form, you submit it, and then they will send you a card that you then take to your pharmacy, and it will allow you to get a reduced cost on insulin when you go to the pharmacy. So that is a great program, and we're very fortunate to have that in the state of Utah. Also, one other quick thing. You know, that program only focuses on a certain certain types of insulin. And so maybe those aren't the types of insulin that you are on for a variety of different reasons. Everybody uses a different type of insulin. There's many different brands. So you can also go to comagine.org forward slash insulin. And on that site, it just talks a lot about the cost of insulin as they continue to rise. And that site just has a lot of resources, both Utah and nationally, to help people get insulin at a lower cost. So two great options. And also just know that there is a lot of options out there. Maybe these two options don't fit your needs, but please reach out to us or to your provider, your pharmacist, and talk to those individuals and ensure that you are getting help. Please do not go without your insulin. There is options out there. Right. And we'll put those links that you just mentioned, Mikhail, in the show notes as well when we get this podcast posted. It has been a lot of fun and very informative to have you guys on the podcast this week. Natalie, Mikhail, Brittany, thank you for being with me. Thank you, Dave. We hope you find this information useful and something to be aware of, especially this month as we observe National Diabetes Month and World of Diabetes Day on the 14th. Again, thanks for being with us and join us again next week for another episode of the Epic Podcast. Mm-hmm.